Hello, everyone, and welcome to At WCSU, the podcast that tells you everything about Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz here with Pete Puccio, and today we're going to talk with a, a first, an artist in residence, I believe that's the first, for uh, Western Connecticut State. His name is Mohammed Hafez. He was born in Syria. He bring, grew up in Saudi Arabia, moved to the United States for uh, early education and college, and he's become a really well-known artist. He's an architect by training, but he's done a lot of art in New Haven and has shown around the country and is bringing that here to the uh, university in with an art opening in February, uh, a discussion and seminar in March, and he's been working with our students here for the last semester and will be for the next semester. And he was kind enough to join us here on the podcast. So stay tuned. You'll hear all about what Mohammed Hafez brings to this university, what our students have been learning, and that uh, where you can go to to uh, learn more about him and his work. All right, Mohammed, thank you for joining us today to talk about your time here at WestCon. Now, you are a Syrian-American. You've spent time in the Middle East and across the Midwest of the United States. How did you end up here at Western Connecticut State University in Little Danbury? I believe Melissa had uh, reached out after uh, reading one of the articles written about the work. Um, and she was very excited to do uh, one of the workshops with the students um, that talk about home. And uh, we've been working at it uh, for quite a long time now, um, and I believe she uh, was uh, working on securing a grant to uh, make this project happen, and uh, she did it. She yes. got the, the grant, and uh, finally we were able to uh, pull this entire project together. Well, we Westcon Melissa helped Westcon get a grant from the National Endowment of the Arts. That's the first NEA grant that Westcon has ever given, get ever acquired, and uh, you work in New Haven, and you're getting pretty famous, right? You have uh, you were the focus of a film done by New Yorker magazine, which is up for an Oscar in this next season in whatever category that is, shorts or something. And uh, you've had, um, your work is uh, being reviewed and shown, I think, across the country. So it was a um, big deal for us. What do you get out of it? What I get out of it is um, I I really enjoy working with universities. And um, I've been focusing on students um, in in the recent years. So uh, it's that joy with working with tomorrow's leaders. Um, they're, they're a lot more uh, perceptive to other opinions in this age. They're, um, they're open to discussion. Sometimes they're quite open with their opinions as well. So, um, you know, we live in a very tough uh, xenophobic times right now. So I figured my best chance to change some of the perceptions out there about, you know, 
you name it, immigrants, uh, refugees, Muslims, Arabs, Middle Easterns, uh, I checked the mark on most of these, um, it would be working with uh, university students who are tomorrow's leaders. If I'm able to, you know, put that humanistic bridge between me and them, we would probably avoid a another leader coming in the future pulling another, you know, travel ban based on people's religion or looks or uh, origin. Your background, though, is much different, or at least where you grew up was much different than, I believe, a lot of our students, their experiences growing up, right? Most, uh, I'll say generally, they haven't uh, had to uh, endure civil war. They haven't, uh, you know, they've had, some of them have other issues, but they haven't had to do that kind of thing. That really is the, a focus of your art. And uh, has that, have they been able to understand that and accept that and get enough to learn about it? Well, um, I, I did not grow up and grow up in the in the civil war myself. Um, I grew up in in Saudi Arabia, where my dad was a physician, and um, it's that experience that living there for about 16 years with uh, many nationalities, many different backgrounds, working in the hospital, different religions, different ethnicities, that um, brought me up with a very diverse uh, society, you know, unlike what comes to mind when you think about Saudi Arabia. And I also came here uh, to the United States around 17 years old. Um, so I pretty much had most of my adult years here in the United States, in the Midwest. So um, between my uh, childhood and my uh, early adult uh, years, um, I've, I've met with so many different backgrounds, so many different people. And, uh, you know, it, it gave me the the opportunity to understand um the other perspective and how it could be manipulated uh, into thinking that you know refugees or immigrants or Middle Easterns are a threat because I grew up here again in the Midwest. So um, having that said, I approached this as um, look, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm one of you guys. <laughs> I do happen to be born in the Middle East and grown up in Saudi Arabia, but. Really, when you interact, when we interact with each other, um, there aren't that big differences that are uh, yelling out uh, <laughs> visibly that we're so different. It's the, it's the opposite shock that they notice that wait a second, this guy is not that different after all from all of us. So that that relaxes people and that opens up hearts and, and ears for the message. Yeah, that's very interesting and hopeful. Let's talk about your art a little bit. The um, things that you are doing now that uh, have gotten a lot of notice are based on uh, the experience of Syria, right, and Syrians and the war there? Correct. Part, part of the work, yes. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, and so the what I saw in the New Yorker movie and in some of the uh, work and things that you'll be displaying here 
demonstrates or evokes the destruction of war and what it means to the people living there uh, and uh, in a very physical way, right? You recreate uh, homes and neighborhoods. Correct. And and you are doing that, uh, you'll have an exhibit here at WestCon. Are you doing that with students here too, that kind of thing? What we're doing with students is um, a larger prompt of what does home mean to you. And obviously, each student is going to have a different answer. Um, but the, the, I learned that the human experience is about home uh, is not that very different from one another. You know, mm-hmm. uh, pushing the students to investigate what their own homes and their own backgrounds and childhood mean to them um, brings up uh, pieces of information that later on they notice that there's a common denominator starting to show up between their fellow students. And then in the bigger picture, there's a common denominator between them and, and the bigger world. Mm-hmm. So um, the the perception that you know some students might have or I've heard that you know, uh, you know, refugees uh, or immigrants come here to take their jobs, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and, and you know, uh, whatnot. Uh, it's really not true. These people had you know split second to leave their home, and some of them left really established lives behind. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. It's through this investigation with art and art therapy that some people might start to understand what it feels to leave that um, established life behind and, and just hit the reset button on life. Um, you know, g- given the times that we live in today, things have been a bit easier to describe what that feels. A lot of us have been through quarantine now. Mm-hmm. A lot of us had to miss out on many, many uh, events because we couldn't be back there. So a lot of the world now starts understanding that not everybody has the freedom freedom of um, movement. Um, For Syrians in particular, it was just based on their passport, you know. Um, If you had that certain passport, uh, all doors would be shut on you. Pretty much like if you had a, a positive um, COVID <laughs> reading, um, not that different. So I use these examples to sort of build that common denominator, just to, to ask students to just take it easy, focus a little bit more, investigate your, um, you know, your your students of academia, and you're you're encouraged to do your own research and. Uh, um, analyze the data that you're getting and make your own opinion, but let's not gener- generalize and let's not move about our life by just following uh, a trend or, or whatever other people are saying. It's an invitation to, to really keep an open mind. And to think and really uh, be active in your um, ideas instead of, as you say, following the trend. And what, how did you choose Syria? I know you were born there, but 
you spend most of your life outside of Syria. What made you decide that Syria would be the focus of this stage of your artistic life? Um, Syria is my country. It's my other nationality and where my entire family is from. And, um, you know, I, I did live in the country for a little bit before I came to the United States. Um, so my my sense of nostalgia and belonging is very, very large um, for the country, you know. And uh, I am the baby child of two parents who are respectively the baby child, the baby, the baby children in their own families. So my father, who is uh, in his 80s and my mom is in, his se- in her 70s, were the baby children in their families. And some of them had 13 siblings. Some of them <laughs> had six siblings. So you could imagine the wealth of information and family uh, and big families that I had uh, access to, you know. Um, and I miss that. I, I miss that big time. And, and that causes a huge homesickness and nostalgia inside me, you know. Um, for example, as you saw in the movie, you know, one one Friday dinner in our house with just the cousins and the aunts could look like a Thanksgiving dinner in the typical American household. So using these stories, um, you start to humanize uh, with, uh, with, with telling these stories, you know. And by telling these stories... Um, about Syria, its culture, given that Syria has been a hot topic in the media because of the war re- recently, um, people tend to have a, a to pause a little bit and say, "Wait, wait a second. The the media portrays you as you know, maybe barbaric people or maybe uh, people <laughs> living in the desert, fighting each other, killing each other. W- wait a second. W- what is this nice house that we're looking at? What is this?" beautiful, you know, family gathering. And and through these stories, um, I share more and more and more about my family and, and, you know, people get to learn about other cultures and they try to investigate more and learn more about what's happening in the world instead of just, you know, reading the headline or the soundbite that, you know, Fox News or whoever wants to paint millions of people with. Yes, One thing that you said that struck with me uh, that I read, uh, you said, what does a civilization leave behind when they lived there for thousands of years? How many layers do they leave of paint and stories? And uh, that's a very elegant way to say it, but it's also something you demonstrate in your art as well, as you just described. That's right. Exactly. I mean, there's there's a perception out there, unfortunately, and it's 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 lack of education. That's what what it is. That's what I learned from my experience of people with people. But you know, you look at the education system. What the what we teach in this nation about the Middle East and its people, or the Far East, it's 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 really very little. Um, so when you grow up watching news channels, just painting us as, you know, war and destruction and tents and camels and whatnot. Um, Most people would not know 
anything much about the region. So what what happens is by telling these stories, by saying, look, this is why you should care about this region, because it's not only hundreds of years of culture, it's thousands of years of history and society. And that history does not only belong to the Arabs or to the Muslims. There is biblical, uh, there's Jewish, there is uh, Greek and Roman, and you name it. All of these civilizations have passed through this area. And if you think it is painful to watch uh, a 200-year-old uh, church, you know, catch on fire, uh, just imagine how painful it is to watch thousands of years of archaeology and human history being bombed out of existence with no trace. So it's, it's using this way of art to reproduce these places in a miniature uh, and then tell the stories about them and, and educate and raise awareness about them that I try to kind of get to answer the main question, why should we care? When I look at the artwork you've done, the individual pieces and together, uh, I see the destruction that is you depict, the destruction of war, the disruption of lives. But I also found myself um, coming away with a sense of hope. And I'm not sure exactly where that comes from. Um, but I'm assuming that's that something that you built in there that you want people to see also. Uh, absolutely. Um, we are not people of despair. Um, hope is a huge part of my work. This is, uh, I'm not being pessimistic uh, with this work. Obviously, um, any artist living in today's time, in my opinion, has to understand the, uh, the scope of, of the, the situation we're, we're witnessing and we're living in. So obviously, at the first glance, you will see the destruction. You will see uh, what has happened. Um, however, hope is always built into the work um, by, you know, subtle uh, uh, touches uh, that we pick on. Um, the calligraphy all of the time in the work has verses of the Quran or the Bible um, or popular uh, scripture that um, talks about that, uh, building hope, uh, about a better tomorrow. So all that graffiti you see in my work um, usually adds a huge contrast uh, to the scene that is being depicted. The other thing, you know, I, I do simple things like uh, a, a beautiful tree with red flowers blossoming out of the destruction or uh, sounds of children that was recorded before the uh, war playing through these um, miniatures. Um, I also add, you know, touches of human life, the laundry lines, the, um, the chairs, the furniture. Uh, people are resistant. People move on. People live even in, in these conditions, as we saw in Syria. They were still living in, these, uh, in the rubble, and they're moving on and persevering, and uh, life moves on. And it's a way for me to just 
not only talk to a Western audience, but also turn back to my own um, fellow Syrians and, and uh, immigrants from the Middle East and say, look, other nations have been through something like this and even worse. Look at Europe. Um, they've rebuilt. They moved on. Um, or no less. We can do this as well. Might take a couple generations. Okay. But hope must be built into everything that we do uh, so that we don't fall in despair. That's why it's so great that you've come to WestCon working with our students, and you are going to have a show. The opening reception is February 10th from 6 to 8 p.m. That's in the art gallery on the West Side campus in the, or it's the Visual and Performing Arts Building on the West Side campus on Lake Avenue Extension. And you're also going to be the centerpiece, you and your work, of something called the Home Project on March 3rd, also from 6 to 8, and that'll be in the Veronica Hagman Concert Hall at the Visual and Performing Arts Center. So you will be, uh, who should come to this? Everybody, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And you'll be talking about your art, but also about the uh, Middle East, and there will be some other people in March there who will be uh, exploring this with you, uh, as I understand it. Yes, it will be quite the event as we're planning it. It'll all come off on time, right? Oh, yes. Good. Well, I really appreciate you being here today on the podcast, Mohammed, and I appreciate you coming to Western Connecticut State University as well to work with our students and work with this community here, the larger community too. I think when people see your exhibit, they'll be exposed to something really different, unique, and I can't wait to hear you talk on uh, February 10th and March 3rd as well. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll see you then. Take care. Have a good one. Thank you. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media. Engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at WCSU Media and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at WCSU.edu. Thanks for listening. <laughs>